Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter number 11, uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter number 11, and then we'll go to the book of Romans, chapter number 10, Gospel of Mark, chapter number 11, and we'll begin with verse 22. Gospel of Mark 11 and verse 22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. I want to look at verse 23. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith, amen. You notice the word say and saith in that passage several times. Let's look at Romans chapter 10 in verse number 8. Romans 10 in verse number 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. What saith? What saith? What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith. And I simply want to preach by the help of the Lord here this morning from this thought. You've got something to say. You've got something to say. If there's anything that the devil wants to do, he wants to convince folks that there's nothing that they can say about it, nothing that they can do about it. They just have to accept circumstances as they are. But I want to convince you through the word of the Lord that that's not the truth. Praise God. Let's lift up our hands and our voices unto God again, and let's pray for his touch in this place. Would you help me pray right now? Jesus, we're asking you to move and to minister your work and your will to be done. We're asking God that you would touch the hearts of every person that is in this building here this morning. We yearn, God, and desire for you to bless and to move as we preach the word of the Lord, I pray, God, for mighty anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. And could somebody say his name with me right now? I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Clap your hands again to the Lord. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. You've got something to say. We've all been taught since we were children that silence is golden and while I understand the concept and I understand that uh, there is a reason why we were taught those things and also acknowledge that in some situations uh, 
silence has its proper place. But when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to spiritual things, can I tell you this morning that silence is not golden, but silence can actually be deadly. Because our voice, from what I understand from the Word of God, has the power to release. And through our voice, we release prayer, we release praise, and with our voice, we proclaim the plans, the purposes that God has for us in our lives, and we state them emphatically in faith, and we believe that God is able to bring them to pass. But it starts with us speaking those things. The Bible talks about speaking things that are not as though they were. And there is power in us opening up our voice. And the devil realizes this. He knows that one of the greatest weapons to combat him and the greatest weapons that we have, one of our greatest assets as a child of God is our voice. In fact, your words are what determines victory or defeat in many spiritual battles in your life. Your ability to cry out to God, your ability to praise the Lord in the bad times, your ability to respond in faith in a horrible situation. We find that when Satan attacked Job in the Old Testament, which was a premier saint of God. Matter of fact, this really all started with God bragging about Job. I don't know about you, but uh, that, that kind of inspires me because I would like for the Lord to be able to look at my life and at your life and be able to say, have you considered uh, the good things? Have you considered the life that is led? And this was an example saint in God's economy. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil in his attack was really after one thing, and that was Job's words. He said, Lord, if you will allow me to, I'll attack him in such a way that he will curse you to your face. Curse you to your face. In other words, uh, I, I want you to realize that Job doesn't serve you for naught. There's so much stuff. There's so many blessings. There's so many good things in Job's life that makes it easy for him to serve you. But if they were to be stripped away, he said he will curse you to your face. That will be his verbal response. That will be what he will in turn do with his voice as he will curse you. I know that he's blessing you now. I know that he's praying and sacrificing every morning at this time. I realize that he's a worshiper at this moment, but if you give me the chance, I'll place such a trial upon his life that he will curse you to your face. I'll change that language of praise. I'll change that song of worship. I'll change that voice that blesses you into cursing and reviling you. And when the attack came, Job had a choice to make. And that was either to curse God and die. And there was even those, his wife, that suggested that he do that. Why don't you just, why don't you just throw in the white towel is basically what she was saying. Why don't you just surrender to the situation? You realize that this is bad and only growing worse and it doesn't look like there's any way of escape. And the quickest way to get out of it is just to curse God and die. But he said, you speak like a foolish woman. That's your response, and that's what you would choose to do with your voice. But he said, if you can curse God and die, then you must be able to bless God and live. And so he lifted up his voice, and he blessed the name of the Lord, and he praised him. When the attack of the enemy comes, we all have a choice to make with our mouths. We can voice confusion. We can voice fear. We can voice trepidation. We can voice unbelief. We can voice doubt. Or we can choose life. And we can speak faith. And we can voice victory. And we can talk about the triumph 
that the Lord is going to give us and that God is going to have the last say in the matter. And there's nothing that brings defeat into the child of God's life like them speaking fear, like them speaking doubt. But can I tell you on the contrary that there's nothing that brings defeat to the enemy anymore than when a child of God learns how to rejoice, learns how to look their circumstances in the eye and lift up their voice in faith to God and say, I know that the circumstances would dictate that I be confused and that I that I begin to speak things of complaint and doubt and unbelief. But I choose right now to stand in faith and honor God, knowing that He's in control, knowing that He can, knowing that He will, and according to His Word, that if I believe Him, it doesn't matter how great the obstacle is. He can remove it and cast it into the sea. So I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to worship Him. I am going to magnify the King of Kings. And could we right now do that this morning? The devil wants to put a sock in your mouth. He wants to shut you up. He doesn't want you crying out to God. He doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you honoring God with faith words and speaking what God is able to do. He doesn't want you testifying to somebody else. Hey, the Lord, he did it for me. He brought me out of this trial. He dug me up out of this pit. And he's able to do the same for you. He wants to take and steal that testimony. But I got news for him this morning. We got something to say. We're going to lift up our voice. We're going to praise God in the midst of the valley. We're going to dance in the valley of dry bones. We're going to worship God and sing. Amen. When the devil is trying to take our soul, we're still going to worship God. God is, is watching our words. The psalmist said, in 19 and 14, may these words, the words that I have carefully chosen, and that's why it's so important that we carefully choose our words. Somebody said, well, it's just, it's just words. It's just, it's just uh, verbiage as if to discount it. But according to God's word, words are important. Matter of fact, it says that every idle word will be called back to us in the end. So words are very important and the usage of words and how we apply them is very important. It's the preached word of God that saves people. It's, it's the, the anointed word of God that inspires and encourages and strengthens people and helps folks and gives direction to people. Words are important. He said, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God is, is watching my words. He's watching how I respond. He's watching what I say when the devil throws his best at me. When he comes against me and attacks me with all his might. God is watching. He knows that in myself, in my flesh, in my own ability, I have no power against Satan. I have no power against the devil. I cannot defeat him in myself. But it's the words that I use at that moment that's going to defeat him. Amen. It's the words that I invoke at that time that has the potential to bring me victory. Like the prophet said, the Lord rebuke thee. The Lord rebuke thee. Hallelujah. It's not in my power to rebuke. It's not in my ability to rebuke. But he said, the Lord rebuke thee. Amen. He knows that by your words you can cry out. Just like the, the little boy that cries out for his father when he's in danger. Daddy, come help me. That's the way that every child of God is uh, in this room when you get in trouble when you get under attack uh, amen you can call for your father hallelujah I said you can call for your father somebody said well I don't I don't have a daddy that, that I have that kind of relationship with but my Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 9 that he's an everlasting father so it doesn't matter what your earthly father has been or not been to you amen you have a father that you can call on you can call on the name of Jesus 
I said you can call on the name of Jesus when you can call on nobody else you can call on the name of Jesus But the Lord is watching our words. But can I tell you that the devil is also watching our words. That's right. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 25 on down through about 30. It's talking about communication and words and the importance of them. And uh, it's admonishing us here. The Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost we read, starting with verse 25, wherefore, putting away lying. we got to speak truthful words. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. And then he says, and it seems like that he's going off a task here or he's talking about something different than the subject that is at hand, but that's, that's because you've got to take it in all of its context. Be ye angry. And sin not. Somebody said, where did that come from? Looks like the Apostle Paul is taking a hard right there. Looks like uh, he's, he's drifted off and he's chasing a rabbit, so to speak. But we know that there's nothing that makes people angry than words when they're used in the wrong way. You don't have to say amen. And sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither... Give place to the devil. You realize with your words uh, you can give place to the devil and also with your silence or the lack of using the right words you can give place to the devil. Let him that steals or stole steal no more but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give him to him that needeth. Let no Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Words have the power to build up. Words have the power to strengthen and to fortify, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. When people listen to our testimony and our words, because our words is giving a testimony whether we intend it to or not. How we talk and what we say is speaking about us. And is it ministering grace or is it ministering death to those that hear? And then it says to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I mean to say this, that there's nothing that can grieve the Spirit of God like somebody talking doubt. Like somebody talking unbelief. Like somebody speaking down about the things of God. That grieves the opportunity for God to move and work in our lives through the power of His Spirit. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. It's the Holy Ghost and by being sensitive to the Holy Ghost that keeps us. This like a seal that is placed on a jar that preserves the contents. That's what the Spirit does. It seals us. That's why we don't want to break that seal. We don't want to break that seal in a hasty moment of anger or let our emotions get away from us because there's no telling what kind of things will begin to grow inside if you break the seal. All kinds of bacteria, all kinds of things that are unhealthy. Once you break the seal on a product, they have the potential of coming in and uh, instead of being something that is edible, instead of being something that can give nourishment to you, it can actually cause you to grow sick and even die if, if that seal is broken. That's why it's so important that we follow the Holy Ghost with our words. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. All of those things. You know, bitterness will cause people to speak out and say things that they don't need to say. Wrath will cause people to speak out and say things that they don't need to say. And anger will certainly cause people to speak out and say things. And so through that, the devil is looking for a foothold in your life. He's watching your words. And this is how, as the writer said in this particular verse, he said, neither give place to the devil. In verse 27, neither give 
place to the devil. How you talk can give place to the devil in your life. He can get a stronghold in your life through the way that you speak and the words that you say. And when someone's faith is weak, when someone's faith is waning, when someone's faith is frail, it is usually first detectable in their speech, in their conversation. And in their words, you take somebody that's full of faith, they're always talking about what God can do and the power that God has and the ability of God to overcome and how that nothing is impossible with God. And they're speaking about what God is able to do. Amen. You take somebody that faith has been diminished and doubt has taken over and crowded faith out of their mind and heart uh, that person is always speaking about how bad it is uh, and how that there seems to be no way of escape but that's not biblical folks uh, because the Bible says if you're a child of God uh, amen if you're a child of the king uh, that with uh, every trial that comes your way that he will provide a way of escape uh, so you'll always uh, be able to have this testimony that God's going to bring me through and God is going to bring me out. Come on, don't settle for anything less. Don't let the devil convince you otherwise. Somebody needs to stand up and hold it boldness and say, I got something to say. Yeah, devil, I got something to say about this. Cancer, I got something to say. Diabetes, I got something to say. Doubt, fear, and unbelief, I got something to say. Emotional and anxiety problems, I've got something to say. Hallelujah. Let's worship him and give him praise. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to illustrate this by telling a story that I think that I've probably told before about uh, my pastor, Brother Green, and today is his birthday, and I honor him. 82 years old today, and uh, uh, on 9-11. So anyway, I remember the first time going down to uh, that area and preaching for him and his son, uh, who was much younger then was uh, it was it was not his youngest boy, but next to youngest boy was there on church property working and doing some things for the church, but it was uh, evident that he wasn't uh, in the church there, and he was just doing some some work and and he showed me where to park and what to do and and uh, so anyway he went home I guess told his father that he had met me and later that evening when we went. Uh, to eat, Brother Green said, well, I heard that you you met my uh, prodigal son today. And uh, I didn't really know how to respond to that, but I said, yes, sir, are you, are you speaking about Steve? And, and he said, yes, I am. And uh, so I got to know Steve during the course of the revival, and, and he would take me fishing on our off days, and there was all kinds of uh, places that he would take us. And there was another gentleman for the church uh, that would go along with us, and uh, and he was a, a little bit older uh, fella, and he, he was standing beside me on the bank. Uh, Steve was at another area just down the way fishing from us, but within earshot. And he was telling me, I don't think this man realized that Steve was listening. He was telling me, he said, you know, Steve, he didn't, he didn't go to church. He didn't live for God. And he said, as a matter of fact, his dad told me not too long ago, Pastor Green, he told me, he said, uh, you know, you need to be careful that you don't allow Steve to take you to hell. And when he said it, I noticed immediately uh, the reaction of Steve. He snapped his head around and looked at that man, and he said, My daddy didn't say that. And it was kind of a tense moment, and I, I, didn't, I just stood there and watched and witnessed the situation. He said, Well, he did. And he said, No, he didn't say that. My daddy would never, he was emphatic about it, he said, My daddy would never say that. He would never surrender my soul to hell because he dedicated me to God a long time ago. And he would never speak those things because in his heart, he has faith. What he was actually saying, and he didn't say it just like this, but what he was actually saying in his heart, he has faith that one day I am going to live for God and that eventually 
when the time comes that I'm going to make heaven. That's the faith that he has. And so because he has that faith, he would never say something like Steve is going to hell or something of that nature. He would just never speak that. And that was amazing to me that that son was so convinced and he knew that his father, he just knew his father that well, that his father would never speak words of doubt. He would never speak Word, I'm going to tell you there's a lesson in that. Uh, I said there's a lesson in that. We often use the expression in giving, a, in, giving in, a, in a form of almost surrender by saying there's nothing that I can say that will change it or there's nothing that, that, that anybody can say that will change it. I want to tell you that that is a lie and you don't need to let the devil convince you of that lie because there is something that you can say. Every time you go to the prayer room, there's something that you can say. Every time you come to the worship service, there's something that you can say. Every time you come into God's presence, there is something that you can say. There's something about what's going on in your life that you don't care for and you don't like and you know it's not the will of God. Somebody needs to speak up today. Somebody needs to let your voice be heard this morning. Devil's trying to tell you, oh, you just have to accept that. That's just the way things are. That's just life. Hey, I got something to say about that. I said, I got something to say about that. I'm going to stand up in faith and believe God at his word. Somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to lift up your voice right now. I want you right now to think about that very thing that the devil's trying to convince you that can't be changed, that will not be changed, that nothing can turn it around. And I want you to speak faith, speak faith, speak faith, speak faith. I got something to say. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, speak up. Speak up. Speak up. Oh, yeah. (coughs) What if Hezekiah would have followed that line of reasoning? What if he'd have listened to those voices that says that there's nothing you can say that would change this? That you just have to accept the prophecy of doom. That tells of your demise. That this sickness is unto death. And he, he went. And he turned his face. The Bible said to the wall. And he had something to say to God. Amen. He held up his testimony of how he had been living for God. And serving God. and uh, he, he, he had given his life to God. And dedicated himself to God. He held up his resume. He said, I got something to say about that. Amen. I'm not going to just die without saying anything. I'm not just going to accept this and say that it cannot be changed and there's nothing that can be done. But I'm going to say something about it. Hallelujah. I'm going to say something about it. What if Bartimaeus would have listened to that kind of a logic when he was on the side of the road? The Bible said the wayside. And uh, this is where beggars were found. And travelers, when they came by, would give them a few coins uh, from their pocket and give them a little bit so that they could survive and get by and scratch out an existence. Uh, But Bartimaeus heard that there was a different type of traveler that was coming by. And his name was Jesus. And there had been miracles uh, that had taken place at the hands of Jesus. Uh, There had been great things that had happened at the hands of Jesus. Uh, And so he said, this may be the only opportunity that I'll ever have. Uh, This may be my only chance, the only time that ever passes by my way. So whatever I've got to do, I've got to speak up and get his attention. I got something to say. And he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They said, Bartimaeus, you don't have a right. Bartimaeus, you can't, you can't talk to him like that. Bartimaeus, you're just a beggar. Get back down there in the ditch where you belong. Don't disturb the master. And the Bible says that he cried out the more. I said he cried out the more. When you got something to say, the devil can't shut you up. I said when you got something to say, nobody else can discourage you to the point of giving up and being quiet and remaining silent. Oh, come on. You you, you don't have the right to 
remain silent when you got troubles, when you got problems. You can't just sit there. You got to get up and say, I got something to say. This may be my only chance. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Matter of fact, I wish there's somebody that would cry out right here in this, this congregation here this morning. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on my situation. I got something to say. I got something to say. Yeah. Amen. I got something to say about it. I'm not just going to give up. I'm not going to die blind. Oh, I'm not just going to stay here. I'm not just going to let you relegate me to a certain place and let you pin me down. But oh no, I'm coming out with something to say. Come on. I'm going to convince you this morning. What if Paul and Silas had followed that line of reasoning? Oh, that you can't, you can't speak up. You, what you say is not going to change anything. What you do is not going to change anything. What if they would have followed that same line of reasoning? They'd have rotted to death in a Philippi jail. Unfairly judged, savagely beaten, their backs bloody, oh, their clothes ripped, disgusting sight that it was, humiliated before the public that they were trying to reach and trying to, trying to preach to, yet they still, even with all of that, as bad as the situation was, as terrible as it looked, as many of us would have said, man, I just, uh, I, I don't know. This isn't what I signed up for. Oh, but they said, we got something to say. We got something to say. And it wasn't complaint. And it wasn't protest. And it wasn't say this is not right. It wasn't to say that I'm not worthy of this. But it was praise. It was praise. You know, that, that has to confuse the enemy. That has to cause him to wonder what's going on. Maybe they got a screw loose. I've given my best shot and they're still praising God. I've given my best shot and they're still worshiping. They're still saying, look at them. They're still there. They're still clapping their hands. They're still leaping for joy. Some of them still running the aisles. After all these years and all these beatings and all these times that I've come against them, they're still there. You know why? Because every time we cried out to it, every time we lifted our voice to it, he came through. He delivered. He helped us. He brought us out. We had something to say, and God had a response to what we said. Come on, you got something to say this morning? Say on. Say on. Say on. And their praise did not only affect their situation, but the Bible said all the doors of the prison were open. And everyone, everyone's chains were loosed. That's how powerful praise is. I said that's how powerful praise is. The devil, he wants to shut everything down, lock everything down, stop everything up. Oh, but things are open. When the saint of God has something to say. I said things are open. When the saint of God has something to say. The devil wanted to shut it down. He wanted to stop it up. Uh, he wanted to keep it from happening. He wanted to keep you silent. Because he knows that doors is fixing to open. He knows that chains are going to fall off. Uh, because Paul and Silas said we got something to say. God empowers his people. When they speak to their obstacles. God empowers his people when they speak to their mountains. If we're not careful, we'll depend on others' faith. And I think there's times when we all have to depend on others' faith and prayers and worship uh, to bring us the victory that we need into our own lives. And I, like I've said, there's times that we're all strengthened by that. And we all at times need that but it shouldn't be all the time and it's comforting to have church family and people around you that will stand with you in your trials 
And that is why the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 3, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. It's so important that we be able to strengthen our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we've all benefited from other people's prayers. Anybody, anybody feel like you're a product of somebody else's prayers at times? You, you was able to make it through somebody else's faith when you were sick and down. Uh, somebody else's faith helped and, and, and there was healing that came and strength that come to you and maybe even times of discouragement when and the Lord lifted you up and strengthened you. Or maybe somebody in a church service with their breakthrough praise and worship to God opened a door in the spirit for you to be able to be blessed and for you to be helped and for you to be strengthened by the spirit of God. But there are some mountains that will only respond to your voice. I want that to sink in. I want us to get that. There's some things that will only respond. Some spirits are not going to respond to somebody else's prayer. Some things that bind you up is not going to respond to somebody else doing it for you. Amen. When Jesus talked about believing, he talked about it in a very personal way. That's why he's made the statement, all things are possible to him. Singular. To him. Amen. Who believes? Mark 9, 23. All things are possible to him. That, but it's important that he exercises his faith. Amen. It's nice that, that you can be carried. And it's nice that others have a burden for you. And it's nice that other people can have faith for you and pray for you. But it's, it comes a time that you have got to believe for yourself. Your faith has got to become active. All things are possible to him that believes. That's not all. He also told the blind men that came to him wanting their healing. He said, according to your faith, let it be to you. Matthew 9, 29. According to your faith. You, you've got a measure of faith. Don't just let it lay dormant there. Don't just depend on everybody else to come. Because there might be a time that that brother and sister's not not uh, able to uh, sense your need and maybe God doesn't lay it upon their heart because he's wanting us to grow up. He's wanting us to mature in him. Or it may be that that person's not always going to be around. It, it may be that you're caught in a situation where they're not there and they don't have knowledge of it. They're, because none of us are omnipresent. We don't know and we don't understand. And so it's going to be you that's going to exercise your own faith in that situation. Some mountains will not move until you open your mouth. That's right. Amen. We know that the, the word mountain here is, is a figure of speech because it's talking about an obstacle. It's talking about things that arise in our lives. And, and, and we know that we have to have God's help to see those things removed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just want to go a step further with this and say there's some things that only recognize your voice. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, it's only your voice that has authority over that situation in your life. It's only you and your voice and your faith that is going to make the difference in that situation because you're the one that God has given the authority to to overcome that situation. That's right. Amen. You know, uh, I remember times in my life when maybe my uncle or aunt, I was staying home with them, and uh, they were watching over me, and uh, their voice didn't have the, the same authority that my parents did. And uh, sad to say, but you know what? They were pretty good at telling off on me. And when they told Dad, and he came in, I recognized that voice. What they couldn't get out of me, I, he could get out of me. I'd say, get up, it's time to go to school. I'd say, give me five more minutes. And then when, when Dad was home and, and he walked in there and said, it's time to go to school, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> because he had the authority to back it up. I said he had the authority to back it up. 
Hallelujah. There's some things that you recognize because they have the authority. You may pass off certain things, but when, when someone with authority say, says it, oh yeah, you, you pay attention then. That's the way it is in some ways in the spirit realm. The devil recognizes that when you finally wake up and say, I'm gonna t- I've taken all of this I can take. I've done all I can do. Amen. I'm not going to keep riding with this. I'm not going to keep putting up with this. Bless God. I'm getting tired of it. Amen. I'm standing up for my biblical rights right now. I'm standing up in the spirit right now. I'm taking authority over this thing. You badgered me long enough, devil. You kept me down long enough, you filthy devil. I'm not going to let you deal with me like that no more. Come on, you tired of getting pushed around spiritually? It's time you stand up and let the devil know, hey, I got something to say about that. A lot of situations, sad to say, the silence is deafening and the devil's taking notice of that. That's why we need praise and worship in the house of God. There ought to be saints of God that every time you come to the house of God, you got praise on your lips. Hey, I got something to say. I can glorify God. I can praise the Lord. I can magnify Jesus. I can lift up my voice in song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because the more ground you give him, the more he'll take. That's right. Since your mountain can be personal, it sometimes takes you and your voice to move it. Let's let's talk about some of those things. What about the, the mental mountains? This is the devil's favorite battleground, really. This is his favorite place most comfortable attacking people in their minds because he knows the scripture. He knows what the Bible says about as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's impossible, you get this, it's impossible for you to perform consistently different from the way you think about things. And this is not a mental help class or this isn't uh, self-help instruction here this morning. I, I, don't, uh, I don't subscribe to the idea of think and grow rich. It didn't never work for me. I've thought about it a lot of times, and it's never worked. And you sitting there laughing, but you've been thinking about it too, and it hadn't worked. A lot of people sitting up in that recliner thinking about it. But I read that scripture to you about that <laughs> he that steals, steal no more, and let him work with his hands. That's the only way you're going to get anything in life is going to have to work for it. Yeah, amen. But it's impossible for you. That's why your mentality matters. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It doesn't really matter what other people think about you. It's what do you think about you. What do you think about yourself? What do you think God is able to do in your life? How do you feel that God is able to use you? Do you think God is able to turn the situation around? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. See, we want to put everything in the context that we're familiar with. We want to put everything in the fleshly context. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Oh, I don't get to use a sword. I don't get to use a spear. And I don't get to use a Uzi. And I don't get to use a M16. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down. Just because they're not carnal weapons don't mean they're not powerful weapons. But the problem is we don't employ them most of the time. Verse 5, casting down imagination, talking about the mentality, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Amen, about what God knows about me. God knows what my potentials are. God knows what I can be. God knows what he created me to be. He knows my purpose. Uh, but it's us that sometimes uh, don't know. And we, we are not convinced. We're, we're, we're not able to see it. We're not able to think that God is able. I'm going to tell you something. We need to let faith arise and say, you know what? I got something to say about that mountain that stands before me that says that I can never be used of God. That says 
said I can never really be a child of God that I failed too many times I messed up too much I'm too weak I'm not strong enough to live for God that's hogwash I'm telling you God created you to be a winner God created you to be victorious God created you to be an overcomer the Bible said it this way more than a conqueror that means not just a victor but somebody that's the all time greatest amen somebody that nobody else can even be competition to more than a conqueror. I heard no preacher, heard no preacher give an illustration of what that really meant. More than a conqueror. He said, you know, relating it to the, the boxing, the boxing arena. He said, you know, that man that goes out there and uh, he goes 12 rounds, heavyweight boxing, and he he finally knocks the other guy out. But he comes out of there, his eyes are swollen shut. But he's all right because he knows. He's going to get several million dollars. And he's got that gold belt strapped on. And he just knows it's, it's, he's a conqueror. But you know who's really more than a conqueror? He said it's his wife that gets in the car with him that night. Because she didn't have to go to the arena. And she didn't have to go through the fight. And her eyes are not blacked. But she still gets the million dollars. She still gets the prize money to spend. That's more than a conqueror. Well, that's a pretty good illustration, folks. Amen. He went to the arena for us. He went to Calvary, shed his life's blood so that we could be saved. He took the pain, the suffering, and the agony of Calvary. And we get to be more than conquerors. We get to ride with him. We get, to, we get something to spend. We get something, amen, given to us that we didn't have to fight for necessarily. Come on, somebody ought to praise the Lord for that. Come on, get rid of your I can't mentality and get you a mentality that says I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I got so, I got so many more mountain peaks, but I, I feel in the Holy Ghost something happening here. Hallelujah, let's stand. Hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the touch of God in this place. Time for somebody to speak up. I said it's time for somebody to speak up. Speak to that mountain. Speak to that mountain. Hallelujah. Oh, I always thought that verse was lightweight. Yeah, I always, I'm just, I'm just being honest. Many years of my ministry, I always thought, you know, it's all those charismatic cowboys that use them verses. It's all those people that, I don't know, they don't have a lot of weight or substance to them. Maybe weight, but not substance. They don't have a lot foundationally going on. They, they're not sound in their doctrine. They abuse those things. It's a blab it and grab it and that kind of thing. And I realize there's folks that do that. But we can't shrink back because few people abuse those verses. Because we are entitled to them because we're children of God. We've been born again. I said we've been born again. We're children of God. And we need to realize that this word is for us to use. What did... What, what did Jesus use when on the mountain in the wilderness to defeat the devil? He used the word. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Hallelujah. It may not, he may not go away the first time you use it, but you just come back again. Take another swing with it. It is written. May not leave you alone then, but come back a third time. Oh, it is written. Hallelujah. The deal hadn't changed. The weapons hadn't changed. The devil, amen, he still has to submit to the word of God. He still is inferior to the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody needs to speak to some things in your life. I was praying over here right before church in the in the uh, youth room. We were praying, and I just felt it so 
very strong, and I thought, I don't know where this could really fit into what, what I felt on my heart, but I felt it so strong, I feel it necessary that I say it, that, that there might be somebody that is in this room here today, you're bound by things that you really, you're like the Apostle Paul. He said, he said, those things I do, I hate, and those things I hate, I do. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, because I'm flesh, and, and I'm trying to overcome it, and I'm trying to do better. But in my flesh, I realize that, that there is no good thing. He said, I, I don't care how much I strive just in the flesh. I can't overcome it. But if I can get God involved in it, if I can get God's help in it, uh, hallelujah, I'm going to tell you, you're not able in yourself to overcome addiction. You're not able in yourself to overcome bad attitudes and bad behavioral problems. You're not able in yourself to overcome that anger that's festered in your heart for 20 years because of something that happened back there. Amen. That you didn't have any control over. But it planted a seed of anger in your heart that every once in a while it, it, it comes back. And you're wanting victory over it. Because you don't like how that manifests itself in your life. You don't like it how that you have that, 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 that comes over you. I want to be careful, but I, I, I think I know who I'm talking to, and, and I think I know what the Spirit is trying to say to some folks today. Those things that I do, I, I hate, and those things that I hate, I do. And that's, that's not King James' version, but that, that's essentially what he was saying. It's kind of like a, like a person that, that, that has an injury, and while they're Sitting in the living room, they can remember how good they were on the basketball court. They can remember what a player and what potential and how they used to be. But soon as they get up and their feet touch the floor, they're reminded of that old injury. And it affects their performance. And suddenly, doubt enters back in. And they just have to accept that, hey, I'm not what I used to be. Well, the same thing sometimes works because of some old injury and some old hurt and some old situation and then you come to church and yeah man I'm going to get some victory and I'm going to worship like I used to worship I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get joy like I used to have joy I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get peace like I used to have peace I'm going to overcome like I used to overcome I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get really liberated and free like I used to get free in the spirit and as soon as you start to raise your hand you feel it what is it? It's a devil that taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, buddy, you're not what you used to be. You've been through too much to do that. You've you, you got too much going on to do that. You've got too much of this in your heart to do that. You can't worship God. You can't respond to God. You'll never be what you used to be. You might as well accept that. Well, is there somebody in this house that's got something to say to that mountain? Is there somebody in this house that's got something to say about what the devil's trying to convince you of? Come on, let's come around this altar this morning. I invite everybody to come around this altar this morning. Let's come in here as close as we can. Lift up our heads to God and receive something from the Lord in this place. God wants to speak to somebody. God wants to talk to somebody's heart. God wants to deal with somebody in their mind and help them and strengthen them and bless them. You can be an overcomer. You can be more than a conqueror. You can get victory. You can have it. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil keep defeating you. Don't let the devil keep you down about it. Don't let the devil keep beating you up about it. Get some victory here this morning. Get some victory here this morning.